Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I'm your boy Buzz, and I'm joined by my dude Steve, aka NWI Steve, and we are here to recap the Chicago White Sox loss. Did I say Bulls on Tap? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, I hope I didn't. I, oh my god, whatever. <laughs> Who cares at this point? I just I interrupted myself. Whatever. Before we get into this episode, be sure to go on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap at on tap sports net going to anywhere you can listen to podcasts you can listen to us five star rating and review because that's cool and tough and if you need any awesome white socks swag or any chicago sports swag that is go to grandstand follow them on socials at grandstand socks go to grandstandsocks.com you can get a bunch of cool apparel there anything that you need chicago sports related go to grandstand steve you and i on the mic today man White Sox dropped this one of the Red Sox after yesterday's rain slash snow delay, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they drop it seven to four. Um, no bueno, my friend. It, it it started off great, where I thought the Sox actually might have been able to, you know, get a dub, but it didn't end that way. Uh, initial thoughts, my friend, and how are you doing? Hey yo, I'm doing very very well. It's good to be back on here, back on the mic with you again, Buzz. Um. <clears throat> Look, this game was in a lot of ways a microcosm for what we have seen through the first two weeks of this season. Some po- some real positives, um, you know, offense that first couple of innings there really did a nice job of getting at Nick Pavetta, working some really strong at bats, working some deep counts. Saw you know Pito get get a, a nice RBI double there in the first inning. Hopefully, get him back on track, and then. You know, just Dylan Cease, again, inconsistency on the mound. Bullpen giving one up late. Team fighting the claw back in there and then ultimately just not getting the job done when they have a chance to capitalize and put a game away. Exactly. The Dylan Cease thing is um, is ringing bells in my head right now. So we were, as I was telling you before we went on live today, I had the radio broken out or the radio, you know, my little Bluetooth speaker, right? And I have the MLB network, and I I, I was listening to the game today more so than watching the game. I, I got to listen to the, basically the whole thing, um, and then I came in and I caught the 8th and ninth on the television, cut down a couple trees today, but I was listening with my old man, and one thing reigns true every time I watch with him. It seems to be a common occurrence that him and I watch or listen to. Dylan C. starts together, and he is always questioning him, and I'll tell my, my old man the – all the time. I'm like, yo, dad, I'm like, you just got to listen to Steve's breakdown on Dylan Cease's stuff. He's got great stuff. I'm like, we know he has good stuff. I've watched it. He's got good stuff. It just seems they can't put it together. He did have six strikeouts today, Steve, and he did look good in the, in the beginning. Okay. Cause he, he got through two innings 
unscathed until we got to the bottom of the third. Um, I want you to touch on Dylan Cease's performance today. He went four and two thirds. He let up six hits, two runs, both of them earned. He did walk three, however, and he had six strikeouts. So what is your, your thoughts on his game today? Did, did he do enough? Because I, honestly, I don't think that he, he, he did. And especially against a Boston Red Sox offense, quite frankly, that I'm not too scared of, I guess. I, I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but I, I don't. I, I don't think that they should have uh, they should have got to him like they did. I mean, to be frank, this is very par for the course with what we have seen from Dylan Cease here in the 2021 season. He's made three starts, and each time he's only recorded 14 outs. So he, he's leaving the bullpen 13 outs to have to cover, and that's just simply not going to get the job done. And once again, it was a very uneven performance. Went out there in that first inning, did a really nice job. You know, Kike Hernandez, um, you know, went out there, got a, got a little bloop base hit to start the game out. Then he punches out Alex Verdugo on an absolutely beautiful change up down and out of the zone there. And then he gets JD Martinez to hit into a ground ball double play to close out the inning. So you're, you're feeling pretty good about it at this point here. That second inning goes out there, gives up an O2 sing or, you know, gives up a walk to Franchi Cordero fly ball to Kevin Plowacki, and then ultimately gets out of it. But then you see that third inning and things kind of start to come unraveled a little bit here for him, uh, giving up an O2 single to Xander Bogarts. And that's something that has just been happening far too often with Dylan Cease, not just here during the 2021 season, but throughout the entirety of his careers, his inability to be able to put guys away with consistency and letting them back into at bats. Buzz, you did mention he did have the six strikeouts here. So six strikeouts in four and two thirds innings, that's definitely a positive, especially for Dylan Cease with where he's been at statistically through his career, but he's still letting too many guys back into it bats when he needs to be going out there and just burying guys. And I think that's one of the real differences that you look at with him versus a guy like a Lucas Giolito or what we saw from Carlos Rodon just a couple of days ago, getting ahead in council guys and then just burying them and closing out the at bat. We didn't see that. And then he ultimately lets this Red Sox team back in the game. And like you said, that's a common occurrence of what we've seen from Dylan C since he's come up to the majors. And, you know, this is something that we didn't really see in Winston-Salem. It's not something that we saw in Birmingham. We did, though, however, Stephen, you and I have talked about this before extensively. We did see this in Charlotte a lot, which is kind of surprising because, like you always say, you know, double A is where a lot of the talent's at, you know. Um, so it, it's a little concerning with Dylan Cease and I am, you know, usually I'm going to go a little bit off here. We do have a, a question that I, I would like to, you know, um, interact here. And, and that's when do we bring up Kopech? Obviously he's up already that, you know, that's not the question here. It's not a meatball question as Sockside Mike says, but he, he thinks that C should go to the pen. And I, if I could, Steve, and I'll let you get right into it as well, just because I do want to talk about this is Kopech is going to be on an innings limit. And they are confident that they can make the playoffs this year. And they want to they want to retain Kopech's services on this innings limit that he has because he's not really pitched in two years. So it, it, other than like a spot start maybe here or there, like where he's a starter and then hypothetically say like a crochet or something like that on a bullpen day comes in to relieve him after two, three innings or something like that, I do not see Kopech coming up right away. And I'm not ready to pull the rug out from Dylan Cease quite yet, but it, it it's a fair question. But it, it it's just where the Sox think that they are compared to 
you know, or not where they are, where they're trying to go. I don't think that they want to have Kopech be that guy who is in the starting rotation because they do not want to burn him out before really meaningful games are played. And I'll let you, I'll let you touch on that as well here. But Buzz, you hit on a lot of key points right there. And I think the fact of the matter is that this is going to be a question that will persist as long as Dylan Cease shows an inability to work deep into games and to give this team a chance to win. I'm going to keep beating this dead horse here. Covering 15 outs or fewer is not enough. As a starting pitcher, I, I need my starting pitchers to go out there and cover at least 18 outs. They got to cover two thirds of the game. If you're not doing that, you didn't get your job. You didn't get your job done on that particular day. Dylan Cease has to show that he can do that with regularity. Otherwise, these questions about Michael Kopech coming into the rotation are only going to get louder and more frequent and more prevalent. The fact of the matter is, and you hit on on the big issue there. Michael Kopech is absolutely going to be on an innings limit here in 2021, being the fact that he did not see. A, a major league mound. He has not pitched competitively for two full seasons. So you're not going to automatically just go now and then just put this guy back in the starting rotation in April because, and and you hit on this other key point here, this team believes that they will be playing meaningful games in late September and into October. And in order to be able to do that and to have Michael Kopech, you can't stretch him out in the starting rotation, unfortunately. That's just... A, a hard truth that I think a lot of Sox fans need to understand right now. Michael Kopech has looked outstanding. He has exceeded my expectations for what I thought he was going to be coming back to this point. And I think we can all agree at this juncture here that his long-term future is going to be in the starting rotation. I just don't see that happening until like August at the very earliest, if even then, Steve Stone seems very adamant that that's not going to happen at all in 2021. Personally, from my perspective, I wouldn't be shocked if that is something that happens maybe the last six weeks of the season here. Um, but again, we're just going to have to kind of wait and see how things go from that standpoint. Right. And like I said, you know, we we're basically along the same thought process there. Now, getting into the scoring, um, Sox jump out to a quick 2-0 lead, Steve, like you had pointed out before when you were speaking, that Abreu had doubled to left and that and that scored Eaton to score the first run of the game. Mankata ended up going to third. After that, Mercedes had grounded out to shortstop. He did his job, Steve, and he scored Mankata. Abreu had ended up going to third. The inning ends after that. <laughs> then you go through a second inning where nothing really transpires. You know, no scoring transpires or anything. Then Verdugo hits a sacrifice fly. He scores Hernandez. You know, the Sox are up still two to one. Oh, there were things that there were things that transpired in that in that second inning for the Sox that ultimately came back to bite him in the ass. Well, right. I I was talking scoring more so along the lines. If you want to hit that second inning, go for it. Yeah, look, the one thing that I really want to touch on in that inning there in particular was the Tim Anderson at bat because that was a pivotal at bat in this game. Ultimately, here, you know, you look at it, Andrew Vaughn. Leads off that inning, works works a walk, as I mentioned at the outset of, of our show here today. The first two to three innings, this offense did a great job of working deep counts on Nick Pavetta, drawing walks, getting up eights, and just having quality at bats. And when he was making mistakes in the zone, they were capitalizing and they were and they were really driving the ball in a number of circumstances. So Vaughn leads off that inning with the walk, and then Nicky singles goes and does what he does, hits hits a little, you know nice little hit and run action right there to get Vaughn to third. So you. you You've got 
first and third with nobody out here to start this inning. And then Timmy comes up here, doesn't execute, doesn't el at least elevate the baseball to, to hit a sack fly to drive in Andrew Vaughn. So that kind of starts a, a bad trend right there. So, um, or you, you know what? There was actually, there was actually one out already in the inning there. Sorry. Um, so, so Vaughn, had had drawn the walk with one out and then magical got the single. So then Timmy's strike out there gave them that second out. So now you're, you're in a spot. You got second and third, two outs and Adam Eaton comes up. Another quality at bat draws a walk. Moncada comes up now. Base is loaded here. Pivotal spot in this game here. And another good at bat gets himself into a hitter's count. Count ends up get, getting a little deeper and he hits a fly ball. He hits an absolute missile to the warning track about 415 feet away. And it gets caught by Enrique Hernandez on the warning track to end the threat. What looked like it might've been a grand slam that, you know, you talk about the highs and lows of a baseball game. One swing. Yeah. You, you had a chance there to go, from up two nothing to up six nothing, and probably you know, kind of deflating that Red Sox momentum there a little bit, and they get out of that inning without giving up anything, and all of a sudden now they're thinking, okay, we're we're still in this game. And that was, and like you said, that's a huge pivotal point in the game. You have the bases loaded, you have a runner on first and third when Tim comes up, doesn't capitalize, Eaton draws a walk, and I can't speak any more highly of Adam Eaton than I already have on this podcast throughout the year, and and I think you uh, uh, as well. You know, he he has. He's been really great, and I kind of feel like I'm eating my words from earlier in the offseason when we had talked about it when you and I were on. Um, I just feel like it's almost, Steve, the same story night in and night out where they're not capitalizing with runners in scoring position. Now, every once in a while, we'll get it. I mean, Carlo, you know, we were all on Carlos Rodon's uh, no-hitter. You know, they were kicking ass and taking names. It's just it's the inconsistencies of that. I understand you can't do it every game. I, I understand it doesn't work like that. Baseball's a weird sport. I, I get it. But if you want to be a winning team, you can't blow opportunities like that. And, and that's exactly what the White Sox do almost night in and night out. I mean, like I said, look at the record right now. You know, they're two under 500, and that's not because they've been getting killed. That's not because they've not been competitive. It's been because, Steve, they're not capitalizing when they need to capitalize. You're hundred percent right, Buzz. Look, this team is six and eight right now through 14 games. There are, I can count at least four games right now that this team really gave away because of their inability to execute and be able to tack on additional runs when they've had opportunities there and, and put games away that ultimately came back to bite them. So it's these little things that over the course of a 162 game season really can mount and, and can ultimately start to snowball. If somebody doesn't just get, get tired of this shit at some point and say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to drive in a run. Um, it's just, it's got to happen here at some point. There is too much talent on this team and in this lineup for this to continue one would think um, as Sox fans, unfortunately we have, you know, seen seasons where this stuff will drag on for almost the entirety of it. I mean, I go back and I think to the 2007 season um, that that's one that, you know, kind of, we kind of have a, a very similar feel to start this season off from that one. Um, 
you know, a team just not executing offensively and, you know, a, a bullpen that was supposed to be just all fireballers that was going to just nail things down. If, if the team had a lead after five or six innings and, and the bullpen has faltered in some instances here. So something's got to happen here uh, relatively quickly to turn the tide, hopefully. And we, we know the talent is there. It's just a matter of getting on track and, and figuring out what it's going to take to do that. Absolutely. And then, you know, so getting back into the bottom of the third here, Verdugo hits a sacrifice fly that scores Hernandez. So we're, we're, we're two to one socks, white socks. I'm sorry. are still up. Then Devers hits a sac, uh, sacrifice fly to right. And that scores Martinez. So now we're two to two. No scoring transpires, Steve, until the bottom of the sixth. That's where Hernandez singles on a ground ball to center field. Um, Boston gets a run. And that, that'll end the inning. So now it's three to two. Makata comes up in the seventh. He hits a sack fly. That'll score Timmy. So we're at three to three. Cody Hoyer comes in, Steve. Bottom of the eighth. Gonzalez, Marwin Gonzalez. He smacks a home run to right center. At that point, when they went up four to three, I was I was a little concerned, but I didn't want to, you know, overreact. Martinez walks after the bases are loaded. Arroyo scores. Verdugo goes to second. Hernandez goes to third. You you cannot you cannot walk somebody when the bases are loaded. And it, it just absolutely drives me insane. Like that's one thing that with with this, you know, this lineup this bullpen that I was not like, listen, man, I know people are going to struggle. I don't, I, I I said in the beginning, like, yes, I think our bullpen is very dynamic. I think that they're going to be very good. I do think that they're, however, very young, which I think that you would agree with, but (laughs) at the same time, in these situations that can't happen. And when that, when that run Steve scored, that was on a Jose Ruiz walk. What did you, if I'm not, I'm not wrong on that, right? Jose Ruiz walking yep. in when the bases yep. are loaded. And, yep. and, and in that circumstance, Steve, oh God, man, you know, I haven't been trying to do this, but I'm going to have to do it. Like Lance Lynn pit, pitched a gem the other day. Sox end up losing. Okay. We go to, we travel to Boston. The first game gets snowed slash rained out. Okay. Why is he in there at this at this point, am I off on this? And tell me if I'm off on it, because I could the, be. The only you look, look, you're not the only person that was questioning why Jose Ruiz was in in that particular spot. The only thing I can think of here at the moment here is because of the fact that you have the double header tomorrow. Um, apparently, they haven't announced the, a game two starter yet. We got Diamond Dallas on the mound for game one, and apparently it's to be determined for game two. The only question I have is, is it possible that maybe we could be looking at a bullpen game in game two with maybe um, Foster being used as an opener and then trying to piece the rest of it together after that? That's the only thing I can think of right now. So Otherwise, that's where I, you're rolling is a bullpen, a bullpen usage day in the second game of the doubleheader. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, I can't understand a reason as to why maybe you wouldn't go like to Aaron Bummer or to or to one of your other more trusted relievers in that particular spot there. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So as we're listening to the game, I, I think I was actually inside for this part already uh, of this game here. And I, Tony has trusted Ruiz in certain circumstances this year where I have been kind of skeptical. And I think that's kind of fair. Um, you know, I'm not saying that I know more than a Hall of Fame manager, so please don't kill me. Like, you know, not, not you, you know what I'm talking about. People that listen to the podcast. Like, I'm not saying that I know more than this guy, but when you need a win and it's in such a close game and then you have eight, nine and one coming up in the top of the ninth, I just don't necessarily agree with that. But what you just kind of pointed out does make it somewhat make sense that a game two starter has not been announced yet. It could be. You know, it could be a bullpen usage day where you see a crochet, a Kopech, a Foster, Bummer. You know, I mean, you can go through the whole goddamn thing at this point, you know. Um, but when a game is in reach, in my opinion, in my opinion only, feel free to disagree, feel free to agree, whatever you have to do. When a game is in reach, I'm going to put my best player in because I know it's a matter of time before the twins start getting going. And I'm looking at trying to capitalize on these situations to add a W to the column. And that's where I sit as a fan and as somebody that covers this team daily. I I, I can give two fucks about the bullpen day. You're going to have to adapt or not day, but game two, whatever, you know what I'm talking about? Like I am, I can give two shits about that when I am in the heat of battle, trying to win a ball game. I don't disagree with that assessment at, at all. I, I think it's really fascinating how Jose Ruiz, for whatever the reason, seems to have more than nine lives. Um, not just with Tony La Russa, that was the case that happened. Also with uh, his predecessor, Ricky Renteria, being put, being put into some spots, uh, famously pitching to Jose Ramirez last year in, in a spot that ultimately ended up costing the White Sox a division title. Let's let's be real about it. Because the White Sox win that game last year, they win the division. So from whatever the reason, Jose Ruiz just keeps finding his way into these positions here. Um, it, it is a really interesting choice to go to him in that particular spot. And I didn't see any of Tony's post-game presser there. I, I'm very curious to see if anyone asked him as to why he went to Ruiz in that spot, because I would really love to hear the rationale behind it. Well, I'm I'm kind of thinking that you're right on it, though. Personally, I'm kind of thinking that you're along the thought process of what he was probably thinking as well, that, you know, we're going to do a bullpen day game on, you know, the second game of the doubleheader tomorrow. So, you're, I mean, you're probably right. And I guess in my anger and my frustration, I didn't really, you know, put that together. Because, again, I'm more so of a guy who's looking at, like, listen, you're down a run. You know what I mean? Like, you're down a run. You have 8, 9, and 1 coming up. Let's make sure that these guys are only down a run when they start batting to give you the best percentage to either tie the ball game or even take a lead to get the W that can be right in front of you. Yeah, and and <sighs> – This whole situation with the game two starter tomorrow, um, I I really am going to be fascinated to see how they do this because if you look at the schedule, they've got an off day after the two in Cleveland on Thursday. So you theoretically, if you, if you know, with Keiko going game one, he would be on normal rest for um, the Friday when they return home again 
it's Texas. And then Giolito would, would have one extra day simply. So it wouldn't be that much of an inconvenience. I mean, it would really be no different than just a, a regular off day um, being, being built in there. So if they don't use, if they don't go Keiko Giolito tomorrow, I think that will tell us, you know, that, that, that the decision with Jose Ruiz was largely predicated on game two being a bullpen game. I, and like, you know, I feel like I'm dogging on him a lot. I'm not meaning to, but he did walk three in the game, but Cody Hoyer two and one and two thirds here, Steve, you know, he lets up three hits, three runs and all of them are earned. He did strike out four. However, he let up a home run as well, as I pointed out, as we were talking about it, I, it all comes down to being like, you know, are you worried about Cody Hoyer, you worried about a lot of these young guys in the bullpen and can you trust them in these situations and whatnot? And I just, man, like when these games, like I was okay with when Cody Hoyer came in, so I can't bitch about that, you know, like yeah. I, and I won't, I won't, I'm sure were you all right with when he came in? Cause I was, I, I yeah, I, look, look, I was fine with him in that spot. I, I think ultimately, and I'm going to, I'm going to come back to this again here. And so I mean, I'm sure people listening to this are probably getting sick and fucking tired of hearing me say this at this point, but I'm just going to keep beating this into the ground here. This whole thing comes down to the fact that Dylan C has got 14 outs. Well, no. And, 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 and Steve, that's not a bad thing that you've been saying. Cause like I've said, you know, through the years that we've been doing this pod, we've been doing this podcast together since 2019. You've been yeah. a part of this. We did the 2020 season, even though it was 60 games plus the, the couple playoff games that we had. And then we're into this season. Now you you've rang true throughout this, the whole time, your magic saying your magic words are, you know, I need these guys to get more than 15 outs, you know, yeah, that's and, when you, you know, and, and, and when they don't Steve, it, it feels like we're talking about the same thing over and over again. And especially when you're seeing it happen repeatedly within the first two weeks of the season. Now, look, obviously, coming out of spring training these first couple of weeks here, starters typically aren't going to be going as deep into games with consistency. However, that's where it's really incumbent upon guys like we saw with Lance Lynn in the home opener, being pinpoint with his control and command and being able to go out there, be efficient with his pitch count, and, and be able to provide depth and provide length to to this team and be able to shorten the amount of outs that the bullpen has to cover because if you're asking a bullpen to repeatedly cover 12 to 15 outs a, a game and if you're doing this with regularity starting in April that's a good way to burn your bullpen out by the time the calendar flips to August so it might not catch up to you right away and it's look it's caught up to them here like I said four or five different instances already here during the month of April. But, you know, say they're able to kind of get things stabilized again here, get back on track and they're playing well. Come August, this is the type of thing that could really derail a season because guys can be out of gas because of the high leverage situations, the high stress pitches that they are ultimately having to throw repeatedly in the month of April. Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And then we'll just touch on the uh, on the top of the ninth here real quick. I mean, it's it's it, I guess you could say it's of note. You know, uh, uh, Vaughn gets on there. Uh, um, Eaton ends up doubling, and and that'll score Vaughn. Eaton doubled deep center, and that'll end up scoring Vaughn. But the, the the final score of the game is seven to four. 
Sox end up dropping it. As we pointed out before, they are now six and eight. They are three and five away from guaranteed rate field. Um, you know, it, it's just in this circumstance with the with how the bullpen was used and, and Hoyer's struggles and then Ruiz coming in to kind of, you know, obviously I read a stat line. It's not great, Bob. So, you know, it, it cost us a win here today and hopefully we can go into tomorrow and make something happen. So when we move into tomorrow, Steve, uh, game one starts at 1210 central time. So, you know, 10 minutes after noon here will be first pitch and uh, Dallas Keuchel will be on the mound. He's 0-0 with a 6.43 ERA. He's pitched in 14 innings. He's let up 13 hits. He struck out nine. Unfortunately, has walked seven. He's let up two home runs. Um, and then I'm going to butcher this guy's last name. Is Tanner Hawk? Is that? Am I right on that? It's pronounced Hawk. I was right. So fucking a right. Yep. I do. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. Look at me. He's 0-1 with a three ERA. Uh, he's only pitched in six innings. Um, so far in this young season, he's let up seven hits. He's actually struck out 10 in those six innings, and he's let up one home run. So that'll be tomorrow's first game. And then, as Steve pointed out before, the second game, which is slated to start at 4.10 p.m. Central Time, the Sox are undecided on who the starter will be, but Boston will be trotting out Martin Perez, who's 0-0 with a 4.50 ERA. He has pitched 10 innings. He is uh, let up nine hits. He struck out eight and walked five. So doubleheader, two seven-inning games tomorrow. Bullshit. Um, I can't get over that. I, I I really, I just can't. That and the extra innings rule, I just, I can't, I can't get over it. Um, I finally talked myself into the reliever rule, rule, you know, like, you know, you have to face three batters or whatever before you go out. I finally got myself okay with that one, but the other two, I can't, I just can't get with it. But th- that's what we're looking at tomorrow, Steve. So, if anything needs to be said about these two games at one time, and we will pick our picks to click for each game, the Sox need to make it happen early, fast, and keep the pressure on because you are in two. You're only playing 14, and you know, obviously, if extras don't happen, right? But you're only playing, slated to play 14 innings tomorrow. So the Sox need to make it happen quick, and they need to capitalize on situations where they have runners in scoring position, unlike they did today. Because if they don't, you're looking at losses again because you don't have time to make it up. Yeah, that's very spot on there, Buzz. Um, looking at game one, you know, Tanner Hawk is a guy that he, he's he's a young pitcher in, in the Red Sox system. Um, power guy, you know, he's going to bring a heavy fastball out there. And um, he's a guy that they are very high on. So the Sox hopefully are going to have a good, consistent offensive approach, similar to what we saw at the outset of this game here, working some quality counts. And they're, they're going to be in for a little bit of a battle because he's got some pretty, pretty good stuff. And in his short time here in the, in the major leagues, he's shown some, some promise. So this is not going to be a cup of coffee in that first game there. And then game two, Martin Perez, you got a lefty on the mound. I know the streak was snapped. Um, you know, last weekend against Mike Miner, uh, it's time to start a new streak, beating the shit out of a lefty. So um, I'm looking for, you know, in, at least in game two, I'm looking for Pito to put one over the monster and put it on Lansdowne Street. So so I'll go ahead and I'll call Pito as my pick to click in game two there. Um, you know, as far as game one goes, look, hopefully Yasmani Grandal is back in the lineup. Uh, they got to get the big boys going here. You know, t- Timmy, Timmy, these first two games back ha- has – has swung the bat pretty well, 
overall, he's looked fluid out there in his movements defensively, but they got to get him going. They got to get Yohan going. They got to get Jose Abreu going, and they got to get Yasmani Grandal going because we're starting to see it here a little bit over the last four or five days. Your mean Mercedes, aside from the bomb that he hit on, on Wednesday night, is starting to cool down a little bit. Trying to come so back down some, to earth. Yeah, so somebody else – and this core group of veteran guys that we are counting on needs to pick up the slack for this. I do want to ask you real quick, and I know we're kind of jumping around um, a little bit, you know, but you know me, I got that ADD shit. Um, <laughs> so it just kind of happens. But I, I did want to ask you, and just like you and I sitting having a couple of beers and having a conversation, I did read a tweet, and I cannot remember, Steve, who the fuck put it out, man. I'm trying to find it, and I can't find it. But I did read that C seemed to be more comfortable with Collins. And I, I have to find the tweet and I will text it to you once I find it. I, I don't care who you're more comfortable with. I am not me personally. We're paying Yasmani Grandal a significant amount of money. I think he's getting too many off days here. And I do. I'm a believer that that is not good consistently for him when he's in the batter's box. I, I don't know about you. But that is my feelings on it because it's not like he's a guy that hits for crazy fucking average or anything. He does get on base at a high clip. He does have opportune hits. We've seen that in his time here and we've and over his career. But why is he not? I don't understand it myself. And I don't know if that's the truth. I'm going to find the tweet and I will get it to you. But do you think that hurts him? Because I want to pick him for my pick to click tomorrow as well in game one. And you just took Pito from me in game two, so I'm going to take Mankata. But I just – do you think that affects him at all? Because I, I think it affects him. I, I think so too because if I think if you look historically throughout the course of his career, he's been a guy that has played a lot of games, and that's one of the things that being a switch hitter affords you that opportunity. So – you know, we would see in a lot of circumstances, if you had a left-handed hitting catcher, they would typically get those days off against left-handed pitchers. But Yasmani being able to hit from the right side of the plate and the fact that he has actually swung the bat better from the right side of the plate since the second half of the 2018 season, his bat is always going to be a pod, or I shouldn't say always. More often than not, his bat being in the lineup will be a positive for you because of the fact that he does have that elite, play discipline and can draw walks and can work counts and see a lot of pitches here. So I think there is possibly something to what, what you're talking about here and the fact that he's not able to develop a consistent rhythm because he is getting as many off days as he is. And this is something I was very critical of Rick Renteria for last year when, when he was sitting him um, with more regularity than I wanted to see. And I think it's, it's something that I don't really understand the thought process with Tony La Russa here right now, especially coming off of an off day. Well, right. And then you go well, into the double header tomorrow, Steve, do you see him catching all 14 innings? No chance. No chance. I he's, I here's I anticipate he will catch game one of, of the double header. Then we're going to get Collins in game two. And then I would expect then to see Grundahl catch the morning finale on, on Monday. Right, which is like what a 10 10 start or something like 10, that, 10. if I'm not yep. mistaken. Yeah, so I mean, correct. Once again, so now in this series, Steve, if you look at it realistically, you're going to get them two out of the four games. And I just don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand which... it. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Zach Collins. I'm not saying he's a bad ball player. That's not what I'm saying. It's just 
you have an elite level catcher, like you said, with a great eye. And like I had said before, who does seem to some, you know, get opportune hits when, when you need them and he's riding your pine and I just don't get it. And it's something that I guess I won't understand, but I guess that's why I don't work in a fucking MLB, you know, dugout. I I, I don't know. I, I really, I, I really don't get it. Um, so you, just to clarify, once again, your picks to click for tomorrow, brother. Okay, so um, game two, I will be going with Jose Abreu. And then in game one, um, I'm going to take Andrew Vaughn. I'm going to say Andrew Vaughn puts one over the monster tomorrow. Hits, hits his first big league home run. Yeah, you see, you're probably right. Every time I take him, he, he lays now, him. Now, so. now, of course, now, of course I, say, I say that, and then that means Tony probably won't put him in the lineup. <laughs> We're going to see Leary Garcia in right tomorrow. I don't know. Yep, I'm fully prepared for this to happen now. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. You got anything else to add before we ride out in the sunset, my friend? Um, just this team has been extremely annoying through the first 14 games. I would really appreciate it if they got their shit together. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with that same sentiment. I I really need them to get it going here because there's only so many times that we could say it's early before it fucking gets annoying. And it's starting to get annoying. So hopefully they can put it together tomorrow. Hopefully they can make something happen. Doubleheader, 14 innings of baseball, 12-10 first pitch, 4-10 uh, for the second game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everybody be sure to go on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap at on Tap Sportsnet. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us, five-star rating and review because that's cool and tough. Also, check out Grandstand, Grandstand Socks on socials, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, GrandstandSocks.com. If you want to order yourself a new jersey, any sort of apparel is there for every Chicago sports team. So check out Grandstand and uh, get whatever you need. We'll be back tomorrow. Whoever the lineup is, it is. I have no idea who it's going to be yet, but whoever it is, it is. So White Sox forever. White Sox for life. <laughs>